Uh, yes, we're reading from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, verses 1 to 15, which I think should be um, jumping up on your screen. There it is. Uh, now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged our giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later they will have plenty and you can share with, and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, open our hearts to your word, we ask. Please, Lord, come and talk to us. Whatever's just from the preacher, we pray the wind will blow it away. But whatever's from you, Lord, Help us not to lose it for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Next slide, please. Whenever anyone speaks on giving, all the wrong people take it to heart, don't they? Oh, you already give a lot. Well, God bless you. Be affirmed by this passage then. Well, I haven't got any money, Mark. I had to decide, do I spend money on the kids' food? Do I switch the heating on? And that is a reality for some people. But as Paul makes quite plain in these chapters, it's not about the fatness of your wallet. It's about your heart. God wants your heart. By the way, we have a fellowship fund. If any of you are in dire straits, please come forward to the elders. It exists, it's uh, totally confidential, and it will be a delight to help. But if you want a masterclass on how to get money out of Christians, these two chapters are it. Paul is brilliant. He shames them, he, pray, he praises them, he teases them, he gently instructs them, he drops a few bombs on them, and then he comes out with one-liners, which will leave you gasping a little bit, and produces some profound and beautiful verses 
almost as throwaways, really. Next, please. Money ambivalence in the church isn't anything new. People holding their wallets out of the water as they're baptised. Sorry, you can't do that. Spurgeon used to call personal holiness, purse and all holiness. Here is the vibrant, multi-talented, multi-gifted church in Corinth, struggling with the same issues. Nothing new, and the Bible has quite a bit to say about it. And again and again, the Bible talks about us and how our hearts should be remade in generosity. Next, please. What is Christian generosity? Well, it's a many splendid thing. It does involve money, and that's what we're talking about this morning. But we need to be generous in forgiveness and forbearance and faith and fortitude in flexibility and in helping each other sometimes reframe the situation we're in to make sense of it. We need each other. We need each other's cash now and then. We need each other's forgiveness. We need each other's forbearance. If you want a master class in forbearance, speak to my wife. We need each other's faith at times. You know, when your heart's at a low ebb and you've forgotten what the song of faith sounds like and you need somebody to sing it back to you, to remind you. We need each other's fortitude at times. Someone to come and stand next to us in spiritual armour, as it were. Sometimes we need our brothers and sisters to say, yeah, but have you thought of that situation this way? And all of a sudden, the problem is transformed. And this is all entirely free. It's nothing to do with us actually earning it or deserving it or being worthy in some way. We're family. And in fact, we need each other's love most when we least deserve it, don't we? Proverbs 2 22, sorry, verse 8 says, the, Lord's, the Lord loves it when you give cheerfully. He really loves it. And if you want to plead, to please God's heart, well, this is certainly one way to do it. Next one, please. Right, we're going to go through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 uh, like a dose of salts, okay? And it just gives you an overview of Paul's thinking on giving. He talks about some Christians in Macedonia who had a hard time and they were poor. And yet when they heard that there was a gift going from Greece to Jerusalem, they were demanding that they could be part of it. And it gave them such joy. And what's more, they gave themselves to the Lord first. And that really delighted God. And so Paul turns to the Corinthians and he says, you've got so many gifts. You're in many ways a great church. Now, how about you excel in this grace of giving too? Do you really want the Macedonians to get the better of you? Because, as you know, there's a bit of bad blood between southern Grecians and Macedonians and so on. And then again, he says, because it's the family likeness, he says, do you remember the Lord Jesus? He was rich beyond our imaginings, and he became poor so that you 
might be rich. And then he says, put your money where your mouth is. Less rhetoric, more reality. You all know at these big international conventions on aid and so on, people make all kinds of pledges. About 15, 1-5% of it gets delivered and the rest is rhetoric. Paul says, not in the church. Sorry, can't do that. Give in proportion to prosperity. Give out of your heart and do it. Oh, by the way, I'm sending Titus and a couple of heavies to sort you out. <laughs> That's what he says. Next one, please. And again. Right, sorry to inflict this on you. This is me, my father, and my paternal grandfather, and my son. It's terrible, isn't it? We look similar. I do feel sorry for my son. This was his destiny. There was nothing he could do about it. Next, please. Oh, there's another one. My grandson. Am I insanely proud of my son and grandson? Yes, of course I am. Am I proud of my father, my grandfather? Oh, yes. We need to be proud of our heavenly family and be like them. And this involves generosity of heart. It really does. To bear the family likeness before the world. Next, please. So 2 Corinthians 9. He said, oh, I don't need to write to you about this. After all, you started it. You got the Macedonians fired up. You know, it was all you're doing in the first place. But I am writing to you about it. Typical preacher, isn't he? And then he does a little bit of arm twisting. Next, please. And he says, I'm sending Titus. Oh, and these Macedonians. And I've been telling them how incredibly generous you are. And they're coming. Don't let me down, will you? He says. Give from the heart. Next, please. Not reluctantly, not forced. If your view is, oh, I suppose so, quite honestly, don't bother. If your heart's in it, well, great. If your heart's not in it, don't bother. It's not as if God actually is poor but he loves to use people for his glory. He loves to grow people in their generosity and kindness. And Paul says something, think of it this way, it's like planting seeds for the kingdom of God. Okay, what are you gonna do with your money? Is it gonna sit in a barn and not go anywhere? Or are you going to sow it and produce fruit for the kingdom of God? And he said, God will respond. Trust him. You can't outgive God. It's just not possible. He isn't anybody's debtor. No doubt he can do so. Do you remember the Lord saying, think of the birds. They don't put a lot of work into it, do they? But your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Or Malachi 3, try me. God said, and see if I won't open the windows of heaven for you and pour you out a blessing. Next one, please. So yeah, it's what you sow that multiplies, not what you keep in the barn. And with current interest rates, that's even more true. Hebrews 13 says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Money isn't evil but it can corrupt people. 
And God wants to make sure your money doesn't hurt you. So he's asking you to use it for his glory. And he backs it up by saying, remember, I will never leave you or forsake you. Do you believe it? Next, please. Giving is a, a spiritual gift and a grace. It's a spiritual discipline too. And it's a joy. Because, you know, if you give, you'll get a lot more joy from that money than if you received it. I still remember the, um, uh, when the mall opened, there was a wonderful picture on the sides of a bus of a lady surrounded by designer bags and things, sort of just lying there with an ecstatic look on her face. It's a lie. Half the time you get stuff home, you think, why don't I buy that? The fact of the matter is, yes, receiving things can be nice. It can give you a short-term lift, hence retail therapy. Retail therapy isn't the kingdom of God. God is able to make your giving give you great joy. And it's management of God's money, or for you folks who like alliteration. It's ministry with God's money. And it's a mindset too. And I love these two quotes. One from Mother Teresa. God gives us things to share. He doesn't give us things to hold. Or Amy Carmichael saying, you can always give without loving. It's true. But you can never love without giving. That's true. You know, 16 of the 38 parables the Lord told included money. It is a core part of following Christ. God knows that you will become like what you worship. And he wants you to become like him and to have his heart, not just the things of this world. Now, mostly online, I've been to a couple of funerals during this time. And there's that line in the Anglican liturgy says, but we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain that we can take nothing out. You see, money is of this world, and this world is not our home. Next, please. Giving grows and enlarges your heart. And greed will do the exact opposite. What will it profit you if you're awash with cash and your soul shrivels? And then Paul goes on to say, you know, giving creates virtuous circles. This is uh, 12 to 14 in chapter 9. You give. Needs are met. God is given great thanks. People pray for you with great affection. And God blesses you richly. God is not better off if you give to him. But his people are. And you are. And it makes people worship God. A bit like worship, really. You know, God is not greater if you worship him. But you are. It does things to you. Next. We hear a lot about dark money, don't we? Um, well, there is a thing as money of the light as well. And we're told to be lights in this world. It's a dark world. We're told to be lights. You know, we're the only Bible many people will read. People look at us and see, is that what God is like? And we have to show them. We want to be able to 
be quite honest about God and say he's incredibly generous. And they're not going to be very convinced if they look at us and see we're mean. That's the, that's the, that's the truth of it, isn't it? Next one, please. And his sublime verse just sort of dropped into the middle of a rather germane but not very exciting talk about money that Paul's produced. And he says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Do you know what God thinks about riches? They are disposable when it comes to love for you and me. That's what it's saying. Riches are not nothing but loving people, which is what God is about. Riches are disposable. God was quite happy to leave heaven, come to earth for us, and to be thoroughly poor for our sake. When you give your testimony, what do you say? All my sins are forgiven. Well, God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm adopted into the family of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm on my way to glory. Amen. How about this? The Lord made me rich by becoming poor for my sake. And then, as you know, Paul in Romans 8 immediately goes on to say, if God did that, if he gave you his son, how will he not give you everything else you need? That's pretty unanswerable, really, isn't it? Next, please. I'm sorry, I like Martin Luther. He's blunt, he's politically incorrect. He's lots of, one or two bad things, actually. But um, this is a wonderful quote. I've had many things in my hands. This is coming from about sort of five, six hundred years ago, okay? I've lost them all, but whatever I placed in God's hands, I still possess. Will you trust God with your future? Will you put your future, your well-being, your needs in God's hands? If you say, well, actually, I have a financial advisor, all I can say is good luck with that. It's the only safe place to put your future. God's hands, that's where. Last slide. So Cairns Road, hear this. Since you, Cairns Road, excel in so many ways, and you do, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. The Lord add blessing to his word.